trauma, drama, and energy. By the time I finished writing this, I realized it should come with a warning. The stories I share this time are graphic ones. I'm sorry. I don't tell them to be terrible. I tell them because of the intense realizations I'm having about trauma, emotion, and energy. Despite the harshness, these realizations are ones that I believe others can use too. Healing trauma is an important thing to me, important enough to share my shitty stories. I spent most of my life refusing to allow a word so dramatic as trauma to be part of my experience on this planet. I am very anti-drama. I've always minimized things to avoid allowing anything to be dramatic. My late realization all these years after the trauma is that trauma doesn't hang on to the drama. I didn't know that because for me, most of my trauma came through someone else being very dramatic all the time, so I connected the two. What I know about trauma now is that it can exist as something inside you that needs to be healed and released. The reason I want to include the topic of energy into what I'm writing here is because things that end up being traumatic experiences carry a lot of energy with them. If you listened to my last podcast, Buttering Your Bubble, you already heard, I think, we need so many more words that are directly related to energy. Descriptive words for different kinds of energy our bodies experience and hold. And the way we use the word can differ so greatly depending on what we're talking about. As a word lover, this fact I just seem to be typing energy all the time is frustrating. I do write for those that want to explore self-analyzation with me and open their mind to different perspective, but I mostly write for my own healing, and it's the best form of therapy I have found. I encourage you to write your traumatic stories so that you can do what I've done here, which is to give the adult me the opportunity to say what she feels about this, while giving understanding to the child in me that didn't know why these things were happening or why they were so uncomfortable. I've struggled with the decision of knowing when my story is a useful tool or if it's just repeating my trauma. Because knowing there is a thing that needs to be addressed and healed doesn't necessarily make it something to share publicly and keep repeating. I think of Eckhart Tolle and what he says in A New Earth about this need to keep telling the painful story that the pain body holds, not in an effort to release the pain, but as a means to not let it dissipate, become smaller, or finally leave. Some people become attached to their stories, especially narcissists, and they refuse to move on. That right there tells me that the inability to be done with an experience and to leave it behind you as you walk away and move forward a better person is how we make sure we do not become stuck in the past and basically thriving from the pain to remain in pain. Physical or emotional, the differentiation is moot. The energy of either is not full of love or peace, calm or healing. Energy can't disappear. It has to be stored or burnt. Just like sugar. If the body doesn't burn it, it converts it into fat to be burnt later. That's exactly how I see the energy that trauma creates. The body is storing it somewhere because you have not burned it. Maybe you can keep telling your story, but until you consciously deal with it, and move on from burning that energy, it will stay stored in your body, never disappearing. 
We can have seemingly harmless things connected to traumatic things. This realization for me was huge and allowed me to finally stop minimizing a traumatic time in my life. I do still struggle to use the word trigger because that too feels like I'm being dramatic. Even though the word trigger, as it pertains to something causing trauma coming to the surface, is exactly the word for it. One of the things that makes me hesitate to talk about my traumatic story is because the trigger was something someone else did. My anger and attitude over that person's actions that I saw as so incredibly stupid makes me feel mean to share it. I am not someone who calls others out on their stupidity, especially on the level of recording and sharing, but that's where this starts. And on this specific occasion, their stupidity opened a can of trauma worms. My willingness to finally allow these memories to be loud and vivid gave my conscious adult self the ability to say, that was shitty and it felt horrible. And then to have both points of view on the situation, me at 11 and me at 44. At 11, I could not process with clarity. Children don't have tools. They are inarticulate and unable to understand. They have no perspective. Perspective is what the adult in us offers because time creates it. It is your job as an adult to process for the child in you what that child had to see, feel, experience, or deal with. What we need to not do is say, I could have told someone, I could have this, I could have that, because those were not obvious options to you as a child, nor did you have the cognitive clarity of what actions would be best to take in the situation. Whether or not you had thoughts of saying or doing anything, The adult you isn't the judge of the situation. The adult you is the healer of the memory. That feels too profound to walk away from, so I want to say it again. Just because, as an adult, you can judge a situation you went through as a child doesn't mean you have any right to. That is not what you do to children, especially when the child was you. What you're supposed to do when the child was you is understand, hold, explain, offer new perspective, release the child from responsibility, and let the child in you know that healing is now the goal. Feeling anything that was present in the traumatic experience that was never allowed to be felt. Because if it isn't felt and released, it remains. The adult you absolutely can do this for the child in you that didn't understand. And it doesn't require the adult you to actually know why the thing that happened, happened. That's unnecessary and probably impossible anyway. The adult you is the one with perspective and permission to say, we can feel that pain and we can let it go after feeling it because we burnt the energy finally. Moving on is what is healthy now. The adult me is the healer not the experiencer. So, I will tell my story. You will probably hear attitude, and I will address that later too, since it pertains to the end of the story. The trigger of my feeling like I was creating drama out of something that was actually from buried old trauma came about because one night, as I was leaving work around midnight, I opened my phone to read a text from someone I was renting a room in my house to. 
that person let me know they had brought a pet home to live in my house. First things first. This wasn't asking if a pet was welcome to be in my house. This was letting me know a pet was purchased and now living in my house. Secondly, this was not a pet that is a house pet. It was a chicken. Thirdly, my house is my castle. It's clean. It's my safe place. It's my canvas. It is my investment of 11 years at this point. And so to even think my house was a place a chicken was welcome to live and shit was offensive in and of itself. And I am hard to offend. I am not that person who can bring herself to say, what the fuck are you thinking? And that right there was one of the reasons I was immediately struggling. I couldn't speak what I felt. I couldn't ask what they were thinking without also wanting to shout. And I don't ever want to shout. I couldn't speak my fury and frustration that was at the forefront of the situation for me. I have issue with stupidity, and this was entirely stupid in my mind that I was even having to say, no, you cannot have a chicken in my house. All the time, effort, work, money I have put into my house for 11 years did not equate to chicken coop. And for someone to be stupid enough to not see that, or that that's what they're bringing a chicken into my home meant to me, well, I started this situation in irrational upset and anger because of that. One might say that my dealing with this trauma was like making drama, because I freaked out not just when I read the message on my phone, but for the next few days until they found the chicken a home. Nobody is making drama when they have a shitty experience attached to something small and find themselves needing to work through it so they can finally move on. That's why I wrote it out. My need to process was a process. Writing about my upset had me crying my eyes out and allowing myself to feel things as an adult and for me as a kid, because I have some trauma involving chickens. I was so aware this trauma had sat dormant holding a chunk of space inside me, and as I dealt with it, it was burned and removed. That energy had to be transmuted and released. It was not overnight. It took quite a few days and lots of tears. Someone paying rent for rooms in my home for a couple months was not even remotely equal to the thousands and thousands of dollars I have spent on my home. And so reality is, despite my home feeling like this person's residence, a few months of rent does not this house theirs make. Hell yes, I'm possessive. And as I say, I call my home my canvas. It is my ongoing artwork that I thrive in creating. It is a safe space that I want everyone coming in to feel the energy of love I put into it. If you've heard my podcast sponges, you already know how I feel. So that is where this starts. With the adult me annoyed and offended that someone feels it doesn't matter that they shit on what is mine and important to me and the inability to see that was for me a neon sign flashing stupid. Where it went next was related to what I said as I read that text at midnight. Oh, no, you don't. We are not going to have chickens at my house. My house will never have chickens. I drove home from work crying and saying this over and over. 
This term, have chickens, came from my childhood. I helped build a chicken coop around the age of nine. I was the son my father insisted on having, and so I was the construction helper from the time I was old enough to be forced to follow him on a construction site. I was the one that helped him with all the man things, building, installing, hunting, making bullets, and even going to the gym. Mostly the help of a child is hand me this, hand me that, do this, do that. I have memories of helping build the chicken coop and the pigeon coop, and when I think of it, Stressful is the best word that comes to mind. I was the second man in this two-man construction outfit. I've learned recently, firsthand, that stress affects memory, and my childhood was full of stress. So I shouldn't be surprised that I do not have solid memories of all things. Broken memories with vivid visuals is what I have. Sometimes it's exact sentences I remember. Sometimes it's the full picture. I guess the clarity really depends on the level of stress I was feeling at the time. I'm not sure why the mind chooses to hang on to some random moments and not others. Because I have big and little details stored, as well as big and little details inaccessible. My father was a very unstable individual. He was cruel, and it seemed far too often without conscience. I don't dare label his level of actual conscience. But when someone acts in a way that by all accounts looks like having no conscience, then yeah, we can wonder if it's there. When I say unstable, I really mean angry with the inability to stop himself from being violent. Maybe there was no desire to stop himself. I can't possibly know. I was hit by him many times before we finally left the summer I was 11, before turning 12 in the fall. An MRI I had a couple years ago clearly show his effect on my bones, with what the doctors call old injuries. Now this, I want to say right here, saying this feels like I'm being dramatic. It's also why dealing with my physical issues caused by my father is something I'm also working on energetically and allowing myself to feel while accepting blame isn't a solution and only hurts me. I talk about this in my podcast, Honesty is the Way, and share another book that is helping me, The Mind-Body Prescription by Dr. John E. Sarno. So, the chicken coop was attached to the back of the garage. We had somewhere around 30 chickens. I used to know the exact number because I had to regularly count them. One day when my dad came home from work, he took his anger out on the chickens, not us. You could argue this was a good thing. But what he did was kill all of our chickens with a baseball bat. No, luckily I didn't have to see this happen, but I have a memory or a visual of a garbage can full of dead chickens. I see this too as incredibly stupid. I have no memory of the why. Who upset him? Was it a person? Because it wasn't the chickens. God knows. All I know is that no animal will ever deserve to be killed by a baseball bat. The energy of that part of my story is heavy and hard. I'm sorry. This is one of the facts I mentally refer to when I say I'm nothing like my father. It is entirely outside the realm of possibility for me to kill an animal, and in such a violent way. If I accidentally hurt an animal, I would be beside myself. The innocence of animals is a big deal to me. 
Even trying to write that is hard. And the stupidity of his actions is stellar. I can't even find words for how fucking stupid I see it to kill animals because you have no ability to deal with what you are feeling or to control yourself. Fucking idiot even feels too small. At the time he killed the chickens, I didn't cry. I did not question. I did not react in any way because it was not for me to question anything my dad did, nor to have an opinion, even being hit by him. My thoughts or feelings were nothing, not ever considered. This was how it always had been. He always hit us. He always broke things. He always shouted. He was always violent. So this was the norm. And this is how an enabler is created. I almost wish the norm hadn't always felt awful throughout my childhood, because the reality is, my core knows better. No part of me could turn his violence into something acceptable, even though I never knew life without it. It was so unacceptable, I never became violent, or heard anything he said as accurate to my conscience. He was the foreigner. Everything about him was unacceptable to my nature. I remember going hunting with him, and him reaching into a bush and pulling a rabbit out by the ears. He had chased the rabbit into the bush, and then holding it at arm's length, he shot it right there in front of me as it screamed. I don't remember how old I was, and the adult me struggles to believe a grown man could do that in front of a little girl. This piece of trauma, I have to heal. That explosive, fearful, destructive energy scarred my core as unacceptable. This one event lives as the avatar for the conclusion, my father is a monster. The story of the rabbit is one of the things I see as a burden I need to heal in life. Not just for me, but for that rabbit, because of me. I cannot wrap my head around that poor animal believing it was being attacked and killed by two scary monsters. I was an innocent bystander that did not want that rabbit screaming or shot. And this memory is one of the many things I think of when I rub the face of my dog, giving her love energy through my hands as I stroke her face and tell her I love her. From the time she was seven weeks old, I have put healing energy into that rabbit through her and imagine I am somehow healing a wound for one animal through another. It sounds a little bit crazy to admit one of the main reasons I got a dog was because I had no better solution how to heal the trauma energy I was feeling related to that rabbit as an adult. The idea of a canine companion appeared, and then about two months after that thought of healing one animal through another came to me, the opportunity to get her landed in my lap. I am comfortable to see that I had no power to stop this awful thing happening as a child. But maybe I have power to heal it energetically as a conscious adult who understands all trauma contains energy. I just now realized something after writing that. Throughout my teens, 20s, and into my 30s, I collected stuffed animal rabbits. Sometime around 2014, I put them in a cardboard box and stuck them on a shelf in the garage, unable to donate or give them away, telling myself I just collected bunnies. It's only right now as I write this in February 2020 
Am I conscious enough to say, I think I understand now why I was collecting? I never, ever considered my collection was related to that rabbit that I think of regularly now. But also, I no longer need to collect rabbits and haven't bought one for a few years. I'm consciously working on the energy that needs healing for that rabbit through me, and my dog is my helper, not stuffed animals. So, those chickens he killed were replaced with new chickens. We ended up with roughly the same number again, somewhere around 30, and I was 11. My dad, who could not hold down a job, got yet another job, and he told us that when he got home on his first day, if the house was perfectly clean, he wouldn't get mad, even if his first day had been terrible. So with the bribe of no anger, we went to work and we proceeded to clean an already clean house. My mom was the breadwinner with the job she'd had for many years, so she was not home while we three girls cleaned our hearts out. My sisters were 15 and 5. It was summertime. Every morning, the chickens were let out of the coop to roam and scratch, and every afternoon, along with our two ducks, we put them back in. I remember I was cleaning the kitchen sink when I noticed the time and went out to put the chickens in the coop. Two of them refused to be corralled, and despite my trying a few times, I decided that I would just give them more time and go back out in a little bit to get them in. This was a normal occurrence that a couple chickens would not feel finished in the yard and would go into the coop happily later. So with this common occurrence, I headed back in and kept cleaning. Well, as you may have just guessed, those two chickens created a situation. Dad came home from work, and instead of coming into the house to ensure it was spotless, he went out to the chicken coop and clearly counted the chickens. His appearance from work entering the house was something explosive about two chickens missing. Yes, I was confused, because as I say, this was common. But confusion was never bigger than the fear his explosions generated. The no-big-deal aspect of two chickens being missing is what the adult me sees, not what the child in me would have pointed out. Plus, why would he count the chickens? Unless he wanted to explode about this common occurrence. He wasn't even home five minutes before he was shouting. See, I'm only able to have this perspective all these years later. I wasn't a sensible adult at 11. I couldn't possibly see then what I see now. With his fury, I ran out into the yard looking for them, couldn't find them, and as my dad freaked out shouting at me, I moved into the next-door neighbor's yard to search, just in case they had done something they never do walk down our long driveway, and scratch in the yard next door. This is where my memory is clearest. My dad was fuming, and as he often did when he got this angry, his mouth frothed. The term foaming at the mouth is accurate, but again, that sounds dramatic to me. He picked up some rocks and started throwing them at me. Find those chickens. Go find those chickens or don't bother coming home, he shouted. The anger in his face and behind the thrown rocks was unmistakable. Sure, part of me knew that the chickens were never far away, so I could see this as him overreacting. But having been given this threat to consider and his obvious fury, where the heck would I go if I didn't find them? For a brief second, I considered I might have to tell the police I couldn't go home because I couldn't find the chickens. 
but my sensible nature won out, and instead, I wandered further than I ever would have guessed the chickens could have traveled. I went through the block to the houses on the next street, knocked on doors, and asked if people had seen two wandering chickens. House after house I knocked, until I had covered all the houses they could have traveled to. I retraced my steps, and I headed back through the neighbor's yard I had started in, and although I did not see my dad as I approached the spot where he threw rocks at me, I did see the chickens. They were in the lilac bush in our yard. They obviously would have been there the whole time, literally yards from where they always wandered and just chilling in the lilac bush. My dad had been less than five feet from them as he threw rocks and threats. I walked back around to our side of the fence. I got the chickens out of the bush, and they went directly into the coop without any issue. I don't remember telling my dad they were in the lilac bush, but I did. What I remember instead is him getting so mad at me, he threw a big metal cylindrical tank through my bedroom window. Then he went into my bedroom, picked it up again, and threw it back outside. The window and the frame were both destroyed. Just under the window in my room was a doll bed with my dolls and stuffed animals. Strewn across it, my floor, and my bed were a million pieces of glass. His only words I remember were to all three of us, and that was to pick up every piece of glass both inside my bedroom and outside on the ground. This we did until my mom got home from work, and we finished as my dad sat in the living room telling the whole awful story to my mom as though something actually terrible happened. He told her that he should have thrown the stove through the wall, and he used these words, Next time, I'll start on people. Those were the words I remember, and those were the words my mom repeated when she told the story of why we left the following morning for good. Not that his words made sense, even as to the why. The stove was for my grandpa. My mom's family was not welcome to come into our house. So that's my best guess why he said that about the stove. His stupidity blares so loud to me as I write this. The following day, my mom woke me with, Get up, Natalie. We are leaving and we need to pack up everything quickly. My aunt arrived with boxes and in complete fear and panic, we packed up everything we could and put it in a storage garage nearby while dad worked at his second day on this new job. It was far more likely he would quit and come home than it was he would stay and finish a day's work. So we hurried. His years of threats and his violent nature meant he was more likely to kill us if he came home than he was to stand and shout. Somewhere around 2 or 3 p.m., we left him with a plate, fork, knife, and spoon on the kitchen table with a $20 bill and an empty house. My mom clearly knew this job was not going to last either, but she finally had to put our safety ahead of everything. She took a gamble with strength and having the shit beaten out of her, and strength won. We went and hid with people my dad didn't know. The adult me thinks about my mother at 39, and I wonder what she was saying to herself. I hope she was feeling strong. I know how scared I was as I emptied my drawers and tried to be as fast as I could. We were all scared he would turn up and lose his shit because we had been threatened with multiple things 
multiple times, including death. My aunt, her daughter, and a cousin being in the house helping us was not just another thing he would fly off the handle about. The reality was we could not get caught. This was like playing with fire and gas, and we were just hoping nothing would happen. We tried to leave when I was six. We went into a women's shelter and then went to stay with my mom's friends in Canada. But he found us and came and got us, promising everything would be different. My little sister was born about a month after we got home, and although I remember he had painted our bedroom walls, nothing had changed until the day after he freaked out about the two chickens missing. And that change was not his. It was my mom's in having the balls to leave again. Only years later did I realize this irony, that he could beat chickens to death with a baseball bat, but for some reason needed to freak out over two simply hiding. I think it's fair to say it was with that realization I grew up a little. He was never upset about two chickens. It would take a special kind of hypocrite to bludgeon 30 chickens to death and freak out about two chillin' in a lilac bush. See? Fucking stupid. This is also why I have never struggled with blaming myself for those events, even though it was clear my father's anger was directed at my inabilities and my actions were the catalyst. I knew I had done nothing wrong. I knew he was crazy, dangerous, and stupid. Circumstance kind of meant I helped us get out of there by sheer chance. His level of stupidity does contribute to my intolerance for stupidity now. Frankly, I'm repelled by the causing of drama that is him. What his drama did, what it always did, was create trauma for his wife and children. Trauma and drama are not invited to be part of me, which is why I'm writing this. I do not have to store this energy inside me. I'm an adult now. I have the power to fix things I didn't have as a child, the intelligence to process, cry, allow, feel, and heal. It's ironic that the stupidity of renters bringing a chicken into my safe haven was the straw that broke the camel's back, forcing me to face my trauma. Trauma is real. It's attached to anything. It's caused by anything. And as good as I have been at minimizing it my whole life, turns out I can't insist it's nothing. The energy of trauma, the energy of senseless violence, the energy of fear, the energy of running away, the bad energy from so many things, they are stored until they are burnt. A dear heart of mine I talked to about this said that he feels everything from childhood is a bigger deal. That's where traumas easily occur. When we agreed on how helpful it is to write about these things, he said, it's like the writing closes the loop that the brain was continuing to keep open. By putting it on paper, there is no longer the need to replay the loop over and over. I totally see that. That is why I write. It brings me understanding of myself, an opportunity to feel what I couldn't as a child. Maybe I have less understanding of others' choices, but I don't live their lives. I only live mine. I only have to figure out how to be a top-quality human for me. Others, even family members, will choose who they are. Let them. Learn from them. Be wiser. Be stronger. Be sensible. 
be in control of who you are.